0: Give God honor tonight and thanksgiving and praise for everything that He is. Just take a little time to worship and honor Him for all the abilities that He has given us and for the joys that we receive. Father, thank you tonight. What a wonderful Savior you are. What a wonderful friend you are. What a wonderful, wonderful God. That he gave his all for us. Father, what else is there more to be thankful for than you who purchased our salvation? Thank you, Lord, for all of that. And we give you praise in the precious name, holy name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege it is to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And to worship Him in spirit and in truth. We are beginning tonight on the ministry of a teacher, what that entails, and again, when you want to find out what a ministry of a teacher is, the same as all the other ministers, you have to consult the Word of God. And in it you have to find out what God says through his word about teachers. There has been for some time some teaching going around that God has first had his apostles and their day has ended. He had his prophets and their day has ended. He had his evangelists and they do not have the power and authority that they one time had and it has ended and then he had his pastors but then we have got down to teachers and many people have set this type of order in their church where just about all they have is teaching it becomes the primary resource of it all and Nothing else is added because they feel like that we have come down through the ages of time to the time of teachers, and so they are going with that precept. And, of course, when you do that, it's the same as doing any other thing. When you deny all the other ministers and ministries, why your church is, uh, of course, dwarfed and hindered by that and cannot possibly... Come to full maturity according to the Word of God. Not according to me, but according to the Word of God. For all these things are necessary to bring individual lives into fruition and to cause us to finish the course, hold fast to the faith and be ready for Jesus as a church when he comes. And so one ministry, regardless of how we... uh, place our emphasis on one ministry cannot possibly get the job done. It requires them all in some form or some fashion. Apostles are still very necessary. They're still very much alive. Prophets are still very necessary and there's many of them in the land. Of course, they're not recognized as such so much because of the Uh, teachings that erase the possibility of them being here. Evangelists of course we still recognize and pastors and teachers and that's well and good but we need them all. And of course in our past lessons we have (coughs) delved into the Necessity of the apostle and what he is and the prophets and the ministry so necessary and uh, the necessity of the prophet's ministry and uh, how so many prophets prophesy out of their own spirit, some of them out of false spirit, the enemy, and some of them out of the spirit of God. And that is not to say that somebody cannot, in a sense, prophesy and let God use them at that, but that does not mean that they are necessarily a prophet in the sense of the word. Same way with evangelists. We just got to searching out the word of God is what the evangelist entailed, and it's been such a misnomer in that to believe that he is some type of a Hot rod that comes in and stirs up our churches and goes out and gets people to come in and gets them saved, and that takes the responsibility off of us. And regardless of any of the ministry that we have, it is always in the ministry that they are to minister to saints. Amen, none of them are called to go out and save the lost. We might minister to the lost every once in a while. But mostly we minister again to the church and lay the responsibility of the church upon getting souls into the kingdom of God or under the hearing of God's word. It's not the ministry of the evangelist to do that. He has a far greater ministry than that and it needs to be recognized as they are in the churches and many of them feel like if they're a minister of An evangelist, then they're to go out and evangelize and hold a week or two or three nights meeting, and that's what they're supposed to do. But according to the Word of God, again, that's a misnomer. An evangelist has a much more authoritative ministry than that. And uh, for that reason, when you see, not, not all happens all the time, but primarily when you see individuals come in, during evangelist ministry, you do not see them stay for the most part. Ninety-nine percent of them leave after the evangelist is gone. Could I say it again that those that are brought in by the prayer and concern and visitation and witness of the church makes us responsible for them, and makes us the caretaker for them, and we then go about seeing that that soul has the advantage of everything that we have. And when you bring somebody in like that, then we again feel responsible for them, and that's as it ought to be. And that's the same way it is with the teaching ministry. It is still very important, but so are all, all the other ministers. And teaching was a great emphasis in the ministry of Christ. We go back to Christ in all of these. Have you ever noticed Christ was an apostle? Christ was a prophet. Christ was an evangelist. Christ was a pastor. And Christ was a teacher. So you go back to him in all of those, and he has to have been all of those to call from among us, which took his place. How many of you know that? He was in the world, and he was received up into glory, and everything that Christ did on this earth, now we are supposed to do. And so he taps everybody on the shoulder and gives us all a primary ministry. We might stray from that sometimes or be called upon to fulfill maybe another ministry that is not present and so on. But all of us should have, especially elders, we should have a primary ministry. What we are actually called by God to be and for God to do. And we're talking about the ministry now. So when we go back to Christ, he went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues. Notice teaching. Notice how teaching and preaching blend together into one. As we read these references, he taught in the temple of Herod. He taught in the mountains. He taught on the streets. Or wherever the occasion demanded, he molded his disciples through the anointed word of God. He didn't just persuade them through a continuous stream of indoctrination, but his words were creative. What I mean by that is they created such a desire in hearts and lives and made it so creative that individuals could almost see what he was talking about in their own mind. Hallelujah. Don't you just love that? when the Holy Ghost of God and Jesus did that, and he said, now, the power I have, I've given to you, and so we realize the authority and power within us, then we should not only study to show ourselves approved, but study in such a way that what we say would be so creative enough that we could actually see in our mind what God is trying to say to us and picture it in our mind. So his words were creative, they were filled with life and with divine authority. Matthew seven twenty nine says, For he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. Now he makes a distinguished uh, mark there, as he lets them know there's two ways to teach. One with authority and one without authority. And so when we delve into the life of a Spirit-filled teacher, we have to realize the grave, great responsibility, as in all the other ministers and ministries that God has put upon us, that we do not minister without the authority of God, without the uh, production or producing or what God produces in our life. And teaching still remains the only effective way for Christ's followers to teach, and that's through the Holy Ghost and through the power of God. And we have to do that as we are endued with the Holy Ghost and with power. Many times we, if we're not careful, take a few moments without very little study and without very little prayer, And uh, we resurrect some ideas of ours and think sometimes because there are ideas, they belong to God. But we would find that so different if we could understand the words that we speak has to be God's words and they have to be endued with the Holy Ghost and with power to drive home the point that God has in store for his people. Now, the ministry of teaching is spoken of in the New Testament quite often. It seems that there is a definite and distinct ministry of teaching. The ministry is exercised by teachers that are called and equipped by the Spirit and recognized by the church. Many times we have teachers in the church that do not want to say that's my ministry but the church should have recognized that and before the congregation set it forth as the ordained of God called by the Holy Ghost and equipped by the Holy Ghost and by the Word of God. Could I stop long enough to say a ministry that God has given us, is never come to fruition without prayer and study and communion with God. We have to know the Word of God. We have to understand that God speaks to us through His Holy Spirit. And not only that, but God speaks to us through His divine Word. This word remains a written word. We are incapable of extracting anything from it except reading its words. We really don't know what it says in a sense. We really don't know what it means in a sense. We do not understand it in a sense until we are moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Remember what the Bible says? Holy men of old wrote as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And to understand that we have to be moved upon by the Holy Ghost. And we have to understand it is the Holy Ghost. And we have to get concerned about it. To read it? There's nothing wrong with reading the Bible through. Yes, we need to do that. It acquaints us With the Word of God. But also after reading it through, you would be surprised how many things in there you never notice until the Holy Ghost comes upon you and jumps out and says, this is what it means. This is what it means. And then you stand here, I stand here, any other ministry stands here just As a vessel for the Holy Ghost to talk through and to move through. And if we can't do that, we best sit down. Amen. 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 So it has to be called by God, equipped by the Spirit, and then recognized by the church. Some old familiar scriptures, I don't want to leave them out. Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. 1 Corinthians 12.28 says, And God set some in the church, first apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healing, helps, government, diversities of tongues. And Acts 13.1 says, Now there were in the church that was Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. You see, almost all of the churches at one time either had this fivefold ministry in them or were visited by some of the fivefold ministry. Usually it's up to the pastor or leadership to see that these ministries come by here once in a while if they're not here all right, and see the need of them. Sometimes there's just a need of stirring up. Sometimes there's a need of just old-fashioned teaching by the Word of God. But anyway, as Barnabas and Simeon, was, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, isn't that an interesting thing? That Herod the Tetrarch and Saul and these people were brought up in the same manner and the same way. And look at what happened to some of them. See, no wonder Herod knew. You see, he wasn't blind to that fact. When he became ruler, he knew the Scriptures. Because he was raised up under it. Amen. It's not that they just jerked him up out of some foreign country. He was right there with Saul and with uh, Lucius of Cyrene and with Barnabas and Simeon and all of that, knowing and hearing, and yet he relented to the crucifixion of Jesus. Galatians 6.6, 6, let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. In other words, while you're learning from the Word of God, from your knees in prayer, from the Holy Spirit, communicate with those that are already seniors and teachers. Communicate with them. Realize that they have experience of years, which save you a lot of grief and a lot of heartache, if you would just talk them once in a while and communicate with them and listen to what is said under the anointing of the Holy Spirit don't allow anything to take your attention from the expounded Word of God okay second Timothy 2 2 and says and the things which thou hast heard of me Among many witnesses, talking to Timothy, the same, commit thou to faithful men. In other words, as I have taught you, as you have said under my ministry, as you have followed my ministry, I want you to commit that that I have committed to you. I want you to see faithful men And I want you to commit what I taught you to them so that they'll be able to pass it on to somebody else. Can you see the involvement of this? Can you understand where the church has failed? Can you understand where the old-timers that set the foundation and put it on a rock had ministered with all the authority and power they had and then they taught in a sense others Have you saw the failure of the church when they decide to take it another direction instead of building upon the foundation that was laid? And the Bible says there's no other foundation that we can lay than that which is laid. And that's on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And so this is an evolvement. Up, up, up. Teaching, exhorting, learning, passing it on. And as we pass it on, more revelations sprang forth from those that are after us. Amen. You see, God never revealed to my dad everything, and he hasn't revealed unto me everything, but he is revealing unto others after us as we come almost to the end of our journey some more things, but don't Discount ever that which is truth and comes from the lips and minds of those that God has called and settled in the gospel. Amen. Believe it, receive it, stand on it and get to revelations of your own thereby advancing the kingdom of the living God. Amen. How many of you wave your hand believe in the advancement of the kingdom of God? And that's what it's all about. It's not the advancement of the ministry. It's not who knows and who don't know. It's who contributes to the upbuilding of the kingdom of a living God. Sometimes we lose sight of that. Amen. Romans twelve seven says, On ministry, let us wait on our ministry. The hardest thing, after you have received your calling, at least for me, that I know for others, is to wait. Hardest thing is to wait, but in that waiting time, there's helps during our waiting time. In our waiting time, we learn, we search the Scriptures, our mind is on the Scriptures, Our calling takes first place and preeminence over anything else. I can remember when I was called to minister, and with everything that I thought I knew, I really didn't know. And I have pictures of me sitting with one kid on my lap, and another one down in front of me, and the Bible in my hand, Acquainting myself with the word of God. God had already tapped me on the shoulder. He'd already told me where it was going to start and where it was going to end up at. And I knew I had a lot of catching up to do and I didn't have time for anything else. And even while I was driving the old crude oil truck, book number one was right there by me. Thirty minutes it took to load the crude oil 30 minutes in the Word of God. 30 minutes it took to pump off. 30 minutes in the Word of God. All day long and sometimes into the night, into the Word of God. Understanding that one of these days I was going to be able to stand before individuals and I would be accountable for their souls and what I ministered unto them. And I dared not be wrong i dared not be wrong unless you think i have quit searching god i haven't because the one thing that scares me it always has when i was called i used to be afraid of people i'm not afraid of them anymore i really don't care what you think or what they think. I've found one primary source that I want to please and that's Almighty God. And if I can please Him and get the stamp of approval on Him, it really matters not that much. All right. But now then, once I grace the pulpit, wherever I'm at, once I grace that pulpit, I want to be sure that I don't shame God. I want to be sure that what I say is what God wants said, not what I want to say, not what I cram to say, but what God, through His authority and power, had dealt with me to say for a long time, hadn't given me grace and power to be able just to be a vessel where His Word flows from through me out to congregation. Glory. All right, just look at me, I don't care. I'm a little crazy, but I do feel God. And I do feel the responsibility that this war is being waged. And it's being waged against ministries as well as the saints. But more than anything else, if he can get a ministry and pluck it from its vine, before it matures, he'll do it. That's what he is working on. If he can just capture the mind ever so often of all of us ministers, but especially those that no doubt will be here to see Jesus open up the womb of the skies and come, he will dwarf you. Yes, he will. He'll fool your mind every place else. He'll take you out of the Word of God. He'll keep you off your knees. He will cause your ministry to be little. Everyone. Or he that teacheth, wait on teaching. Don't get in such a hurry to put a Bible under your arm and say, I'm a teacher. It's fine. Know your calling. Please know your calling. But also realize that it takes the Word of God, the Holy Ghost, to cause you to qualify to be a teacher of God's Word. I am not belittling Sunday school teachers, people that teach young children. I know you have a place there, and God requires you to fulfill that. But I'm talking about called teachers of God. James 3.1 carries a warning to teachers. It says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. Now the masters is translated teachers. And what he is saying, all that teach is going to be held responsible for their teaching by the Lord. We are going to be held responsible not only to be erroneous, But we are going to be held responsible for our failure to learn to elaborate on the Scriptures. That's growth. That's what God needs. That's what God has to have. And Sister Joni, we preachers can't do that with our toys. Because it takes time away from the Word of God and the study of the Word and the always communication with God wherever we're at on the road to work coming home at the job don't take your mind off of the job you don't have to there's something inside here While you're thinking about what you're doing, the Spirit, if you will allow it, and if you have allowed it to be done, will still communicate with God. And you're doing two things at once. Hallelujah. And I like that. Praise the Lord. Now when I had one kitten sitting on my lap and another down there, I wasn't oblivious to the the fact they were there. If one of them would have got hurt, I would immediately knew what was happening. But two things at once had to be done. So he says, now you're going to be responsible for how you present the teachings of the Word of God. You're going to be responsible as to whether it is just a shallow thing or a depth. Okay. Am I doing all right? God will hold you responsible for that the same as he holds me responsible for my calling, pastor responsibility for his, or any of the rest of them holding us responsible for the depth that we can dig into the Word of God. If we cannot satisfy and touch the palate of lives, we need to do some more digging. Amen. Amen. And the saints need to have their taste buds checked. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. All right. Now, the, so now be careful and don't ask to be a lot of teachers because you know you're going to receive a greater condemnation if you try to be a teacher and you do it erroneously, wait on it. Search it out. Believe it. Exhort or whatever. But wait and see what God wants out of you. You see, there is an importance of the teaching ministry. Teaching is lacking to liken into a foundation of a building. You can't build very little on people that have no teaching. Without teaching, the saints will just be emotional. Give us something that stirs our emotions. And stirring your emotions is great, but let... God, stir your emotions by His Word inside of you. And if you don't have proper teaching, they will be an emotional people and unstable. They won't know what they believe. They don't know who to believe in. They don't know what to believe in. And if they didn't leave the house of God without a shout on their lips and goosebumps down their back, they haven't been touched. Okay. It's impossible to bring a church into maturity without the teaching ministry to stabilize it and cause it to grow. There again, same as the other ministries. They have their part of it. They approach things in a different direction. They call upon God in a different direction what to do or what to say or how. And usually, if you are a teacher, you'll have an outline. You'll have words down that you won't have if you're a pastor. Because it's something, a subject that must be covered in its entirety. Okay. people have to be trained to have an appetite for teaching I've been in places God forbid that nobody wanted to hear teaching it's dull. it's boring it's written out We would rather have preaching. We'd rather have a prophet that tells us good things about ourselves. I don't, care for, uh, I don't care for apostles either because they're always getting down on us. We're never good enough for them. And that's their job. To show you that you're not good enough For what God wants out of you. The Bible says that you'll have to endure sound doctrine. Now, I've heard a lot of teachers in my time, and I can name one that people quote often, and I don't have the slightest bit of confidence in them simply because they are not truthful in the Word of God. And everybody just goes hog wild over them and they'll drive for miles just to be among them. Teaches you, erroneous things and absolutely nothing that would challenge your thinking. Don't you think a Christian, a true Christian, wants their thinking challenged? Can you wave at me? Don't you think yes. that they want their true identity known, yes. and they want to be challenged by the Word of God? Yes. Endure means to bear patiently, to permit. Sound doctrine. In other words, readying our soul and our mind where we turn off nothing. No word at all. However harsh or hard it might sound, we permit it to go inside of us can challenge our lives so as to change our lives for the better so that we can grace the kingdom of God with who we are and what we are. But there has to be a balanced emphasis placed upon each ministry and we're not going to be effective as a church until It is balanced. We need the office of the apostle. We need a prophet to come in and challenge our way of thinking and speak good to us or bad to us. We need an evangelist to come around and impart his part of the ministry And of course, you always need a pastor. I have a long, long dissertation on pastors that I'm leaving to last. But as teachers also, every house of God needs to be graced by every one of them to leave a deposit of God's truth among us. Christ assured his disciples that he'd build his church and no force would stop it from being completed. Amen. We have not one basic thing to stand upon. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we know that he's going to have one. Our problem is who's going to be in it. That's what we have got to ascertain. That's what the fivefold ministry is all about. To bring us to fruition so we'll know without a shadow of a doubt that we are on the rock. And we will not be wavered. Just prior to His ascension, He says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth now notice very quickly we know that he then proceeds to instruct them in the work of building his church now i want you to notice and hang on to that real careful go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and of the son of the holy ghost and of course we know those are titles aren't we a fortunate people all down to the time that anybody knew a God he always had a title Yahweh and uh, Jehovah and uh, I don't know right off it escapes me all of those things and when they sought God to find out His name, remember Mr. and Ma- Mr. and Mrs. Manoah Samson's parents said, "God, tell us your name." And they said, "It's not for you to know." In other words, that name was secret until two thousand years ago, almost, when Jesus came into the world, and when they said, what's His name going to be? said, thou shalt call His name Jesus. God has a name, and His name is Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for a name that I know, and that name has become part of mine. Hallelujah. He allowed me to be a child of God, and I can be called by His name, and I can call on His name glory what a name Jesus that's his name you don't have to call him you don't even have to uh, skip around it like they did in the Old Testament I'm not mentioning it you can just come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy at his invitation And say, Jesus, I need help in a time of need. And you know who answers? God answers. (laughs) Not the Son, not the Holy Ghost, but the eternal God answers. As As always. As always. Now Jesus said, now all power is given me in heaven and in earth. And he says, now go and teach. And that is based on the fact that the power that was invested by God into the body of the Son, which is a place called Jesus. Now Jesus, that body, did not hold all of God. God is omnipresent. He's ever The Bible says He is. But God chose not to act in any way other than through the Lord Jesus Christ as He walked in this earth. He said, now, all power has been invested in me. And if you're going to get anything, if you live back then, you had to get in contact with Jesus because all the power that God had or would use was invested in Him. Hallelujah. And now then, Jesus is saying to us, now then, that power and that authority is delegated to the church. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Mystery of mysteries. God veiled in the flesh of Jesus Christ. Mystery of mysteries. God veiled in the flesh of His church, a living God. With all the things that Jesus had at His disposal, so do we have at our disposal. Our failure is to use it. Like Jesus did. Power in that name we have never lit a fuse to that power. Amen. We don't know what power there is in the name of Jesus. It was powerful enough through baptism to allow us to become and be birthed and named into the family of God. It was that powerful. And we should recognize that if there's power in that name, God help us to extract it from that name. Don't let us have anything less. What did Jesus use? He underwent everything we did. Taken on a mountain by Satan. Appealed to every fleshly part of his body. And Jesus says, It is wicked. Many times we look for a thunderbolt from heaven to keep us from making mistakes. And Jesus Just simply acquainted with the word, said it is written. If it's written in there, it's got to be so. Praise the Lord. Amen. We just need to extract it from there and use it as it ought to be. Man, I'm not getting along very fast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. trying to find a place to stop, okay? Agamem, when Jesus says, all power is given me, go and teach all nations, go and preach, go and touch their lives, he said beginning at Jerusalem, and prove yourself in your character in your own hometown, in your own home church, you're not gonna you're gonna be a miserable failure any place else you go teaching Christ teaching his word for those that are faithful is to be accompanied by his authority teaching was a method in which the kingdom of God would be extended teaching is necessary but then again with teaching and I'm closing with teaching comes responsibility it's not a little thing it's not like teaching a Sunday school class would you where you major on the minors so to speak and that's good you have to teach in the level where children are And that's fine, and I don't know of any better place to start. But you can't, with a teaching ministry, you can't stay, you must not stay, on the level of children. You have to grow. And you're going to have to go on the level of learned individuals and saints that have been raised, that it's not a whit behind, as Paul said, anybody and you're going to have to be able to feed those individuals and with their appetite and introduce to them things that they haven't known before which is a continuous digging into the revelations of God's Word and a continuous reminding of the necessity Of the study of God's word. And in giving our life. Totally. And wholly. Over to him. Without exception. If we are going to be. What God. Has called us to be. We don't by the snap of our finger. Say, God call me to be a preacher or a teacher or so on. I know all there is to know. And what I don't know, the whole Ghost will tell me no. According to the word of God, it takes the teaching, the preaching, the exhortation that comes from the fivefold ministry to make us the type of church that we ought to be. And once we can stomach this, And put it down without regurgitating it up. We're going to see something happen. Because we're going to realize we can do it. We have what it takes. We are learned scholars. And we don't have to wait for somebody else to teach. We can teach those individuals because we have learned. And we can reach them because we have studied to show ourselves approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly, dividing the word of truth. Hallelujah. Stand with me and give God some honor tonight. And some way within our heart. Say, God, help me to be what you want me to be. Cause me to grow, God. Cause me to grow. Take it from me, God. Take it from me so you can add to me and make this thing serious to me and make me understand.